fantastic. Well, this is the time now for young people. If you want to go to your groups, and if you haven't already yet, toddlers or babies, if you want to go to your groups as well, this will be your opportunity now. So we are now in our Advent series, and in our Advent series, it should be no surprise to you at all that we're going to look at the nativity story. Nothing super fresh or creative there, but what we're going to do throughout our unpacking of the nativity story, we're going to be looking at different light sources throughout. And so today, I'm going to be unpacking the menorah. Like, well, where you feel, where is that in the story? Well, I'll explain that in just a bit. But the main emphasis of light, please remind yourselves that it is Jesus who is the light of the world. And therefore, what we're talking about this Christmas is Jesus is the light for everyone. For everyone. So the all embracing, all inviting, all escape. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, people can't see the menorah, so I'm just going to move that way. So, so the all invitation, the, sorry, that's totally thrown me. So the all inviting nature of Jesus, his favor is for everyone. And that is the heart of the message for us this Christmas, that Jesus is for everyone. His favor is towards you. He is towards us. And so our reading, you've already heard it, but I'm going to read it again. You've already heard me read it as well, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, it's from John chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open it or you can check it out on the screens. And just before I go into it, I just want to let you know about the author, John, one of Jesus' disciples. It's really um, important that you realize something for the nature of this morning, that when John writes about Jesus, when he writes about light, you have to see how synonymous it is with life. And you'll see that even in John's first letter later on, the epistle of John. He talks about the light of Jesus, but talks about his life. They come hand in hand. Let's read. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made and that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And we'll stop there for just a moment. I don't know about you, but um, hopefully you've seen some of the lights in town or maybe you've been in London and seen the Christmas lights. They're already up and uh, taken some time to enjoy them, to see them. Me and my family, we uh, went to the, what do you call it, the turning on of the lights in Watford a couple of weeks back. Yes, they've been on for that long. Um, and uh, just wanted to share with you the effort I had to go through for my family to go and see these Christmas lights for the, for the turning on in Watford at the pond. And um, so during the day, had to get 
ready for it because it's at night, so you can see the light, so it's dark. And uh, so we had to, you know, put on the warm clothes, get ready, make sure we're dressed appropriately for it. Then I had to get in my car with my two children and my wife, and we had to drive. We had to journey through traffic, traffic in Watford. And then we had to get to a car park, and after queuing for the car park, had to find a car parking space. And then after getting the car parking space, which you have to pay for at the moment, and then we uh, walked through the town, and it was busy, it was buzzing, and we finally get to the pond, and we're quite far away. And, uh, you know, enjoying some music. And uh, finally, the countdown comes on. Five, four, three, two, one. No lights. <laughs> and so um, the, uh, well, there was, this, uh, there was a little platform. And so they provided another source of entertainment, some music. And then like 10 seconds within the song, the lights all come on. And you're like, hey, it's finally here. And we got to see the lights. Isn't it interesting how much effort, well, my family goes through, but maybe you guys go through to see lights. Let's use that word, life. Isn't it interesting how much effort we go through to experience life, to experience goodness and light? Just wanted to take a moment, therefore, and then just think about Jesus. What effort Jesus took so that the light of the world, so that the light of life itself, could come to us so he could shine on us, so that we could see him. We've already sung it today. The light of the world stepped down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. All for love's sake, he became poor. This is the length that Jesus came for, so that he could shine his light upon us. And so my first point for us today, as we journey through Advent, is simply to realize Jesus came for you. Jesus came for us. Yes, the title is Jesus came for everyone, but he came for you. And I want to make that personal note so clear. He didn't come for the person on your left or for the person on your right only. He came for you too. He cares. He left heaven, king of heaven, left the presence of his father, became flesh, lived amongst us so we could have a relationship with him. This is the Jesus we're talking about. And this is the Jesus you get to journey with. That you get to know. That you get to love and receive his love in your life. So when we look at the passage, you'll see in verse 4, it talks about all mankind. Now, that's not just the men, just to make it clear. That's for everyone. It says in verse 7, that all might believe. Again, that's everyone. And then in verse 7, it says that the light came for everyone. You know, one of the ways I like reading the Bible is reading what's not there. I've said this before when I preach. Can I tell you what's not there, just to emphasize this point? It doesn't say Jesus came for the good. It doesn't say Jesus came for the morally upright. It doesn't even say Jesus came for the religious. It doesn't say Jesus came for the Jews, which he did, but not just the Jews. It doesn't say Jesus came for the clever. It says in my Bible, in my text, Jesus came for everyone. Jesus came for all. And here's my challenge, and I think everybody's challenge. When we hear something all-encompassing, all-embracing as everybody, we seem to exclude ourselves from it, right? 
Is it just me that when, when I hear, oh, it's for everybody or when it's for all, then for some reason you limit that. It's only partially mine. I partially will live in God's light or I'll exclude myself from it because no, it's not for me, but it's for everybody else. You see, Jesus came for you. Personally, he came for you. He came for every race, every sex, every age, every background, everyone. Doesn't matter what you've done or doesn't matter what you haven't done. In fact, because of what you've done and because of what you haven't done, Jesus has come for you. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't even matter what you dress like. It doesn't matter how you appear. Jesus has come for you because he loves you. And where some of us may fear that, this is what's been so great about this morning, that we don't need to fear him. Jesus is the light and he is the salvation of our hearts. He didn't come to shame you. He didn't come to expose you. See, we, I think there's this understanding, at least in the world, hopefully not in the church, that the God we love actually points at us and says, you know, you've done this and you've done that and you're wrong and things like that. This is not how God came through Jesus. Jesus came to expose sin, to deal with sin and to save us. This is why I said from the Psalm 27, Jesus is my light. He shines in my life, but he's also my salvation. He's also my saving work to redeem me, to save me from all that sin. Jesus came to save. And part of that is simply to see him and see his light. But the thing about this light is when the light shines on us, it can feel a bit uncomfortable because we realize in ourselves, who are we? that Jesus would leave heaven and come and present himself amongst us? Who are we that we could have a relationship with God? Well, Jesus made a way. And we'll hear about that in just a moment. But Jesus came so that, listen now, through repentance, repentance, turning away from our old ways, and by faith, again, I'll say this, by faith, belief in Jesus, we can have a relationship with God where his light and his life are in our lives. John, verse 14, from the same chapter, says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came with grace and truth for us. Not just his light, but so we can experience life in his fullness because of him. Now, this is really different understanding for, for the time and the context of the day. This is really different. This is quite hard to get their heads around in terms of what they've understood of God and what they're learning of the Messiah of that time. And even today, I think it can be quite a challenge just because the world works so backwards towards the way Jesus works. And so God being... The loving God that he is, he, he helps people understand. He knows this is different. This is a different approach to God than we've ever had before or the Israelites had had before. And so he sends John the Baptist. And you'll see that in verses 6 through 8, talks about somebody, John the Baptist, preparing the way. And so for the rest of our time today, as we look at the nativity story, we're going to look at his conception and birth. In fact, John the Baptist's um, like 
birth coincided with Jesus. He was just a few months earlier. And to do this, we're going to turn to the book of Luke. So if you've got your Bibles with me again, please turn to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 through to 23, oh, 25. It says this, in the time of Herod, King, oh, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I, am, I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true as they're at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So here's the part where I get to introduce the light for this session. Zechariah was a priest, and where he had the opportunity and privilege to minister before the Lord, it was called the holy place. It was within the temple, within the tabernacle, and I wanted to just give you a little brief summary of this. So if we can have the slide up. Sorry, oh, it's really hard for you to see it. What you need to see, basically, or what I'll explain is, for Zechariah, a priest, to go into the holy place, which is in the middle bit where you can see the candlestick. Zechariah was a priest, which meant he had to be of a certain nationality, not even that, of a certain tribe of Israel. And not only that, but as a priest, there was priestly divisions. So he would have had to have been picked, his division would have had to have been on service. Then on top of that, there was, as we've read from the passage, by lot, he would have had to have been picked to go in. 
But when he made it into the holy place, and just to say about this, the priests had to wear special things. They had to ceremonially wash. They had to observe certain things. A sacrifice had to be presented outside of this holy place before he could enter. But when he entered, this is what Zechariah got to see. He got to see the menorah, a candlestick. And and the candles and the light. And that represented the light of God for the Israelites. It actually represented the tower of fire, the pillar of fire that helped helped the Israelites leave Egypt and led them around the wilderness. Now, the altar of incense, um, that represents prayers. And then you've got the bread of presence. Now, something I've mentioned before, in the parts that separate in the temple... When you come into the temple, the first gate or the first opening is called the way. The second opening here, the holy place where Zechariah would have gone through, is called the truth. And then when he's in the holy place, the next bit is actually just a veil, a curtain. It's the one that was torn. That was called the life. Where Zechariah was in the temple, in the holy place, he was in the light of Jesus, or in the light of God. He was in the presence of God, and he was by the life that God was giving. This is what Zechariah had. But remember, all those things, only he could experience this because of all the things he had to go through. The presence was only for the priest to go in. And even for Zechariah, oh, He couldn't even enter the Holy of Holies. That was for the high priest. He couldn't go through that life door. Now, this is the reality for Zechariah at this moment in the story. So to access God's light and life and presence, that was what he had to go through to enter. But in this story, we hear that the Holy Spirit is going to be with John the Baptist. The very presence of God was going to be with him outside of the temple. This is my second point of today. Jesus makes a way for you. Jesus made a way, but he makes a way for you to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to be filled with his presence. See, at the time of Zechariah ministering in the temple, he would go to minister to be with the Spirit, to to be with God's presence, to be in God's presence. But what follows this is the chance and opportunity we all have to have God's presence, from going to be with to actually having his presence. And you'll see this in the story if we continued reading. But look, John the Baptist, it says in verse 15, he will have the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth His wife, as in Zechariah's wife, who was going to give birth to John the Baptist, in verse 41, later on, when she meets Mary, she is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's when I think John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit too. And then later on, in verse 67, Zechariah is also filled with the Spirit. They're not in the temple. They haven't gone through all these things to be in the holy place, to be in God's presence, to be amongst his light, to be amongst his life. They have the presence of God with them. They have the light of God with them. They have the life of God by his Holy Spirit with them. A baby, a man, 
a woman. Everybody can have God's presence. In verse 7, it talks about being childless. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were old and they were childless. They were unable to conceive. And later on in verse 13, you hear that the angel Gabriel says, I've heard your prayers. Now, I don't know how long they've been praying for, but it says they're old which means they've been journeying for a long time with hopes and dreams that have not come to pass. But they've prayed about them and they presented them to the Lord. I don't know about you, but there are certain things, even now, I have hopes and dreams that I haven't seen fulfilled. There's certain things that maybe, if I'm being honest with you, I really can't see them turning or changing. It's difficult. But this verse, this scripture reminds me That actually, if I respond by faith, if I believe and trust in God, you know, nothing is impossible for him. Doesn't matter about who I am. What matters is who he is. And he is faithful and he is powerful. You know, our God makes the impossible possible. Jesus like for everyone. That means for you, he makes the impossible possible. And just to help you with this, sometimes when I'm thinking about dreams, thinking about hopes and the will of God, you know, it's good to remind ourselves what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that his will is good. His will is pleasing. His will is perfect. Sometimes we just got to realize, is our will matching up? And we can have really good hopes and dreams. Something else that's helped minister to me in this way is actually Isaiah. Isaiah talks about God's way being so much further, higher above our own ways. It's something to hold on to as we grapple with these things. But Jesus makes a way. He makes the impossible possible. He makes a way for us. And for some of us, simply making a way is, like I said, coming into his presence. Jesus left heaven came to earth, lived amongst us, reduced himself to human form, took on flesh, suffered and died for for a a sin or for, uh, um, for things he didn't do. But he rose again on the third day. He rose back to life, not simply so we can be forgiven, which is true. By repentance, we are forgiven, but so that we could be set free to have a relationship with God to have the fullness of life, life and light with him. Third point I'd like to make today is Jesus changes you. He changes you on the inside. And what happens on the inside affects the outside. It all happens here. Jesus changes you. And he does this by his Holy Spirit, by his very presence coming into you. Not so that you would come into contact with God and then leave him, but so that when you come into contact with God, not only are you with him, but you have him in you, and he continues doing a changing, transformative work in us. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to continue the story of Zechariah, of uh, John the Baptist and Elizabeth, which is going to pick up again from the same chapter, Luke, verse 57 through to... uh, 65. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. 
On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and people were talking about all these things. Oh, awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. I've always wondered, why didn't they have... I know, I know Zechariah can talk, but at least have a conversation with Elizabeth and people what you want the name of the child to be. But anyway, I'm not going to get wrapped up in their marital business. Here we have Zechariah, who could not speak. Hmm? He couldn't speak. Now he speaks. Not only does he speak, but he gives thanksgiving and praise to God. Zechariah, who's been muted, his life has literally been on mute. And the power of God comes over him. God turns off the unmute button. He presses the unmute button and Zechariah speaks. He speaks the name of his son and then he gives praise. He exalts God. And in fact, if you continue reading, he does, filled with the Holy Spirit, he basically prophesies and shares praise. Zechariah couldn't speak, but now he praises God. In the same way, we can think of Elizabeth. Remember, Elizabeth couldn't have a child. She couldn't conceive. And it says in verse 27 and 25 that she had disgrace and shame because of that. But now she gives birth to a child. Her disgrace, remember she said she's favored now. Her disgrace now becomes joy, becomes praise, becomes a spreading thing. As in, it's not just her joy, but her joy is shared with the people. Jesus can turn things around for us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Not only can he turn around our situation with God so that we can have a relationship with him, but I believe he can turn around your situation and circumstances right now, even today, amongst his holy people. We will have a time where we're going to ask God to break through in those certain areas. Because I believe many of us have journeyed with God. We do journey with God, just like Zechariah. We've journeyed with God. And I'm not saying... It's your fault that your dreams and hopes haven't come through. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want to point the finger and say it's because of you. It wasn't because of Zechariah. It wasn't because of Elizabeth that they couldn't give birth. That wasn't their fault. But God moved in their midst and made the impossible possible. Jesus can do that for us today. He can do it for you, not just the person on your left, not to the person on the right, not for the good person, but just simply for anyone who chooses to believe. Shame and disgrace can become joy, praise and thanksgiving. I wonder if any of you feel like Zechariah, where your life is on mute. You know how easy it is to use a remote control to change the channels, right? When you're looking at TV, you're like, oh, I'll just change it, 
change, you're constantly changing, scrolling through. Have you ever had it where it's been on mute and you can't find the mute button? Well, I've found where the mute button is now, so that doesn't really happen. But imagine just trying to change your life. Keep changing it, but it seems like whatever channel you do is mute. It's because you're trying to change your life by yourself. You're trying to change your life in your own strength, by your own work, skills, thoughts, plans. Maybe today is a chance to simply open up to God and say, Father, will you press the unmute button in my life? I'm grateful for the life I have. I'm grateful that you give me the opportunity to choose. I'm grateful I've got life and color, but I need to be unmuted. And I think some of you are carrying this, not just for yourself, but for your families. I always sense this, and I'm sorry I get emotional. I mean, it's something for me as well. But people are here in this family who are longing to see things break through in their family's lives. Now, I'm joining you with that. That's personal for me too. But the unmute button needs to be touched. It needs to be pressed. And the only way, the only way I'm convinced by this is by God doing the work. You can't do it in your own strength, people. It needs the Holy Spirit and the light of Jesus to light up our darkness. The question is, do we desire Jesus' way of change? Which is lasting? Which works? Or are we preferring to do it our own ways? Our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our practices and behaviors, you know, they're nothing without God. If we want life, if we want his light in our darkness to set us free, then it has to be by the Spirit's way. And so I'm going to invite you now simply to surrender and to ask the Holy Spirit to have his way so that we could be unmuted and we could live life to the fullness of God. If you'd like to stand, the band are going to come up. I'm simply going to pray for us before they lead. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be light for all of us, Lord. And I pray, Father, wherever we can sense or consider around us where darkness is, Lord God, I just ask right now that you would break into our lives and you'd shine your light. Oh God, bring your light into our lives today that we may know your fullness. Help us to trust in you. Jesus, thank you, you came so that we could have your presence. And so right now, Lord God, I ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon us all. Come, Holy Spirit, move and change our lives. Amen.